Welcome to Season 2 of the Homeschool Loftcast 2.0 with episodes on the 1st and 15th of each month presented by the Homeschool Loft. The Homeschool Loft is a homeschool parent resource center based in Northeast Wisconsin. Our goal at the Loft is to encourage parents who educate their children at home and to let them know that they are both called to and empowered for the task of home-based education. At the Loft itself, we offer one-on-one consultations, discussion groups, workshops and seminars, a monthly newsletter, a blog, and events of various types. Through the Loftcast, we extend our reach to encourage and bless homeschooling parents everywhere. And now, the hosts of the Homeschool Loftcast 2.0, Tina Hollenbeck and Chris Yeager. Hello, welcome to the Homeschool Loftcast 2.0. Today, Tina and I, Chris, are going to be talking about preschoolers and homeschooling and child development. We both have an avid interest and definitely have some thoughts about what we can do as we're looking towards homeschooling our children when and when they're in the preschool years. Hi, Tina. Hey, Chris, how are you? I'm good. How are you? Good. We, uh, we should let our listeners know that we're not in the same room today. <laughs> That is very true. <laughs> You're at home and I'm at home. And um, we are, we're, we don't know how this is going to turn out. We are taping this right before the Packers 49ers playoff game <laughs> on January 26th. And um, so we don't know if we're going to be happy or sad tomorrow morning. But <laughs> the excitement is running pretty high. <laughs> yep. Yep. So, so I didn't want to have to be driving back from your place um, oh, no. and, and missing the kickoff. So <laughs> no, 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 we, we had timed this. So we will be done in plenty of time. So we can all be watching our beloved Packers play. <laughs> Absolutely. And maybe uh, in our, when we tape next, we can tell our listeners how it turned out as if they wouldn't know, but yeah. Right. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So um what what are your initial thoughts when we were talking about this topic homeschooling and preschoolers because some people think that's an oxymoron yeah and, and some, some people, people think it's what they have to do they do and we do get a lot of conversation about this don't we absolutely um families come to us and they're very very concerned about starting their kids on the curriculum and this and that and all the other and they're two years old or under <laughs> um and, and they're very, very concerned. I love how invested parents are and how much mm-hmm. they care. And that is the strength of yes. what they're doing. It mm-hmm. really, really is. And sometimes we've watched, I mean, I think you probably have too, but I've seen some families who start rigid book work yeah. when their children are very, very small and everybody needs to do what they feel most comfortable with. Yeah. Um, with my background as a speech language mm-hmm. pathologist and knowing child development and child learning, um, really the best thing we can do for our kids is get them out and playing. Children learn by play. Mm-hmm. That doesn't mean you don't want to plan things out. Mm-hmm. What are your thoughts? <laughs> so it's it's kind of an it's a both and right, not mm-hmm. either or, but both and, which we can mm-hmm. talk about a little bit later. Um, I absolutely agree with you. Yes, I I talk to so many parents when they come in for consultations or when I'm talking in online groups. Um, what do I need to do to homeschool my preschooler, my one year old, my two year old, 
Um, And then because our culture is so bent on if your children are home in those toddler years, for sure, by three, you have to start something if you haven't done anything before. Right. Right. You're you're kind of behind the eight ball, but at least by three, do something. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. Um, And I get it to a certain degree. I'm really curious to hear what you did with your kids when they were that age. But um, I get it because I was that mom. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, so you know this, and I think our listeners know my nickname is Rutina, and that is a well-earned nickname. It is, it is, and it's Uh, a blessing too. Yes, I wear it with pride on some days, and other days I'm like, what's wrong with you? Um, but so, and I was a former public school teacher at the secondary level, and I came home when Rachel was born, and then Abby followed shortly thereafter. I knew very little about babies, toddlers, preschoolers. I'd only done a little bit of babysitting um, and very limited experience with any of that age. And I knew pretty early on that we were going to homeschool. Jeff kind of got on board when the girls were toddlers. So then I was off to the races, right? We're doing this. (laughs) Absolutely. And I remember looking, and this was, you know, internet was there, but not to the degree it is now. But I remember looking frantically on the internet and going to this place in town called the Schoolhouse, which is a very dangerous teacher store because you can oh, yes. spend so much money there mm-hmm. and buying this, that, and the other thing and trying desperately, probably by the time my girls were two and three years old, to be doing what I guess would be a curriculum. Uh-huh. And every time I started it, it was an abysmal failure. <laughs> like, <laughs> I would last three days and then nothing would happen. And then I'd get discouraged. And then I'd try again six months later. And mm-hmm. part of that, not anything working, I think was God's way to relax me. Yeah, Like I would have been maybe one of these moms who thought, and I will not name it, but there is a curriculum that starts with like worksheets and bookwork mm-hmm. for yeah. two-year-olds. Yeah. And it's a very well-respected company, but it's kind of goofy that they've got formal school-style stuff for two-year-olds, but they do. And mm-hmm. I probably would have been that mom. Mm-hmm. But God was so gracious um, that because I was coming from that bias, mm-hmm. he said, no, Tina, you don't need to do it. I'm going to not let it last with you so that you relax and you rest in me and you learn about how your children are wired and then we can go from there. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. And having come, I mean, a great deal of my training and background and everything was actually in very young children. Mm. And so I was very, very immersed in all these I don't want to say curriculums because I was working with therapy professionals, but we were looking at cognitive development and all those steps, as well as all the physical development and things. So I was really entrenched in children learn by play, children Uh learn by doing, we need the exposure and really um, to the extent that you know, the hands on or the, the worksheets and those things really, not that they're not appropriate for some kids. There are some kids that this is just the right answer, yeah. um, but it really needs to not be the focus. And we really don't want to be stressing that, oh my goodness, my child doesn't know their letters and they're three. Yeah. You know, this is not cognitively really on the radar yet. And our children need to play. Play is how they learn. Yes. So that was kind of where I came from was that perspective. And I worked for birth to three and in early childhood intervention for a very long time. So I was very entrenched in that, Mm -hmm. which was a blessing because when our kids came along, it was very obvious to me that 
they needed a lot of exposure and a lot of play and a lot of opportunities just to see different things as young kids. Yeah. Um, so I, I wasn't looking for a curriculum, but like you said, you like routines. I needed to choose something to give us a framework at times. Yes. Yes. Um, and do you remember at the time when we were raising our kids, <laughs> there were toddler activity books, these little chunky, they were like five yep. inches tall and two or three <laughs> inches. I went through and bookmarked and, you know, dog-eared all sorts of pages for what I wanted to do to make sure they got this exposure to textures and, you know, colors and this and that. And we yes. talked about it. Um, and so that was how I chose to kind of frame things. Yeah. Um, we're obsessive readers, my husband and I. So that was something mm -hmm. we wanted to instill in our kids. So we, we read to them from infancy and as they got older, not only were we choosing, you know, the little kids books and the picture books and all those kind of according to categories. So it gave us yeah. things in enrichment opportunities. Yes. And then we'd choose activities in the community that were similar. We kind of followed a lot of that. Um, yeah. We also, as they got, well, they were pretty little because I mean, we had three, so they were staggered mm -hmm. about two and a half years apart we'd read our bedtime storybooks yes. and then in an effort to desperately get them to settle down and go to sleep <laughs> at night, we started saying, you know what, we're going to read stories where you need to close your eyes and, uh. and you'll see it in your head. And we started reading, <laughs> I was reading chapter books basically uh. to get them to hold still and fall asleep because <laughs> <laughs> I was tired. <laughs> yeah. But also I chose things that would be of interest and would, it kind of expanded the kids. Like we started yeah. with the lion, the witch and the wardrobe of all Oh, things. wow. And they're little like preschool mm -hmm. toddlers at that preschool, point, right? Alex wow. was probably, oh, three, but he was probably four years old when we started that. Wow. Okay. And so four and then on down, um, but it was after we'd read, we probably each kid picked out two or three books, little, yeah. you know, kids books that we read every night right. before they laid down. But then we'd read together at that point, they were sharing a bedroom. So it was much easier, <laughs> but we'd read the chapter book and it's close your eyes mm -hmm. and you're going to see it in your head. Then it was something that I enjoyed reading. <laughs> yes. Yes. And it was literature that I was really fond of from my right. childhood as, mm -hmm. as, and adulthood, but it also expanded their repertoire and as they got older we brought in a lot of things yeah yeah I, th I think that's really key what you said I mean it's not that um we can't stretch our kids right mm -hmm. um right. and as you and I both know a child's listening vocabulary even when they start to learn to read on their own their listening vocabulary is so much more advanced yep. than their their reading and even their oral you know yes. production vocabulary yep. right yep. so the more that we can expose our kids to high quality children's literature way above their reading level mm -hmm. <laughs> um yeah. it's it can only help right, right. Um, right. but What's really important, I think, to say is that your goal was not some kind of cognitive academic. Now no. I'm going to give my kids a quiz on Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe tomorrow morning. Right, <laughs> right. No, no, I mean, no, no. No. It, the, the side benefit is you expanded their vocabulary, but it was osmosis. It was yeah. not a lesson plan. It was not a lesson plan. Yeah. And, even, you know, I don't know. You know, when we, we started homeschooling, our son went to public school kindergarten. Mm -hmm. We knew very quickly that that was not the answer. And it was something my husband was not familiar with, nor was I, I'd been exposed to a few people, but I hadn't actually 
done it. And both my parents were educators. So yeah. this was a completely different thought. Um, in that first summer, I convinced my husband that, mm -hmm. you know, let's, let's just try it out. I mean, it's summertime. He's off school anyway. It's not going to hurt. Yeah. He's not going to lose anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I remember we went, because we went to the library with a laundry basket and the kids ah. could pull the books they wanted. Yeah. And then we'd be reading throughout the week. And we ended up in Egypt for some reason that <laughs> caught our interest. And so they'd pulled a number of books and we were reading them. So literally in the sandbox, we built a pyramid, we built the Nile, it, you know, all very rough, nothing, nothing super fancy, but right. we kind of laid it out a little bit and we were talking about all this and we found reading stories and things. Yeah. Um, and then we flooded the Nile, <laughs> we got the hose out and we flooded it all to see what would happen. Um, the neighbor thought we were crazy and that was fine. <laughs> But to have the kids kind of do the hands-on experience and getting right. dirty and playing. And our littlest one was one and a half at the time. Mm -hmm. So she was just playing right along with us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, and if I, you were, yeah. you don't need to worry about them catching everything because you're going right. to revisit these things. Right. Yeah. I think, you know, so a couple of times as you've been talking, the term, we know this term, unit studies comes yes. to mind. You were yeah. doing semi-informal literature-based mm -hmm. unit studies yes. based on the books that you were reading. And I think that's one of the best things we can do. We did that for the girls too. It was mm -hmm. daily read-alouds, two, three, four times a day, right? Yeah. Over breakfast and then mid-morning and mid-afternoon and the bedtime mm -hmm. thing. And um, Jeff took care of the bedtime read-alouds so that mm -hmm. I could have a break. <laughs> so he, <laughs> he didn't necessarily do it so they'd go to sleep. So they'd be up there for an hour and they'd be reading all these different books. But mm -hmm. um, I think, yeah, that's a way that Maybe for parents now to think about if you're reading quality books to your children, they are getting such good educational input. You don't have to, you don't have to do lesson plans, but if right. you want to then think in terms of thematic units that correlate, not in a formal way, but just as they pop into your head, like you're flooding the Nile, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if you can do things that are related around themes, yeah. there's so much learning that happens that you, some of it, you'll be aware that you're trying to encourage them and, and, and introduce them to something. And mm -hmm. some of them, some things you will not have a clue no. that they're learning, but they are. They are. Um, and I think like a lot of the, because, all right, you know, I've got the homeschool resource roadmap. Yes. <laughs> I yes. really wrestled with creating a preschool section on there or not, mm -hmm. because okay. I became so concerned about parents overdoing curriculum. Yes. I thought, I don't really want to encourage this mm -hmm. by the same token. You know, we'll talk a little bit while what I'm doing with my grandson now. So it's hilarious, but, um, <laughs> but it's out there in spades. It is. It um, is. If you look on the roadmap, there's all, I made it a separate section so that it kind of showed that, you know, preschool learning is different than the school age learning. Mm -hmm. And there's all kinds of varieties of things out there, including all kinds of different unit studies. Yeah. And if, you know, if I had to encourage a parent listening who feels that they need some kind of structure, they need a program of some sort, I would say, look at unit studies. Yeah. Find some unit studies that you feel comfortable with that are low key academically, but also high value in terms of literature and experiences and things like that. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, follow your kids lead. 
Yes. Um, how we all know, if you look at your kiddo, you've got one who's going to be pet obsessed or animal <laughs> obsessed, and another one who's building things. Yes. Or you know, they definitely follow that bent. Mm -hmm. um, we used a lot of that to guide us, especially when they were little. Also throughout life. Yeah. Um, it was. It, you know, it's high interest for the kids. Use yes. it to your advantage. Yes. Um, I, I, you can use it for anything. And later on, as academics come in and reading and whatnot, use those too. <laughs> That's right. Groundwork now. Yes. Yes. There's unit studies and, and interest-based learning at all ages. I can yes. attest to that personally. <laughs> as an adult too, right? <laughs> yeah. But I mean, just from looking at the curriculum on the roadmap, I'm like, there's so much out there and there's the unit studies galore and the I call it um, the category I use on the roadmap for these interest-based studies mm -hmm. um, is delight-directed guided unschooling. Oh, I um, love that. Yeah. Some unschoolers, I, and I'm in unschooling groups, some unschoolers believe that unschooling means no curriculum, which is not true. Mm -hmm. Unschooling just means providing a different sort of education than what the schools do. That's what John Holt meant. Yeah. And um, I'm kind of on a mission in unschooling groups to re-educate <laughs> unschoolers that they Good. can use curriculum. It just, it probably won't look like what's in the schools, but it's also unschooling. And this is a side light here, but it's also unschooling. If your child says, I want to use an Abeka curriculum to do it, because if it's the child's interest, that's what you do. <laughs> uh, yes. If you're yes. an unschooler, right? If you're yes. really an unschooler and you're following what the child says, then right. that's what that's all about, right? But uh, so, but I decided I needed a category for that on the roadmap because okay. there are resources that are interest-based, that are delight-directed, and they're unschooling, but they're guided because there's something there that the parent can look at. Nice. And, and yeah. sometimes having that framework yeah. is really, really helpful. It doesn't mean you have to follow everything. You right. don't, you know, if you look at a preschool curriculum or any curriculum, you're not committing to do every bit of that curriculum you can pick and choose what works for your child and what right. works for your family you're right. not locked in yes yes absolutely and I just want to add too that if you are um, very comfortable with early child development and like Chris says um, and you're like I don't need a curriculum don't get one <laughs> no. right I mean getting a curriculum we're not advocating that what we're saying is you can use them as tools yes. if you're like me and you need mm -hmm. the structure um or maybe your child is one that having a few more routines throughout the day other than just meal times and nap time or whatever would mm -hmm. benefit the child to say you know oh it's you know they're not going to know it's 10 o'clock but you can know in your head it's 10 o'clock I'm going to try to to make that art time a couple days mm -hmm. a week and eventually the child will get to know what art is yeah. <laughs> and and then you'll have art time and it'll just kind of um, chunk out the the child's day so I think that can um, ameliorate some behavior problems right for yes. some kids if yes. they've got those patterns it's not a schedule no in your no. mind it's just kind of a routine and for them it's a pattern and they it can is. see how their days flow they right? can predict things it gives them a level of security and, and not all yes. kids need it but for most right. kids there is a level of having a pattern and kind of knowing what to expect. It can always mm -hmm. change. It isn't locked in, right. but that does give them a sense of security and predictability in a world that can be very unpredictable to a child from their perspective yes. anyway. Oh, so, yes. So yeah. you had alluded to something because <laughs> we both have grandchildren, right? However, you are with yours quite a lot. 
and, and that's a wonderful blessing. To, really it is. It is. He um, just got back from a one month trip away from me. And uh, it's been so wonderful to reconnect with him. Oh, I'm sure you're so happy to have him back. Yes. Well, you had mentioned that you're kind of working on some thoughts and routines with him. Would you please yeah. share what you're thinking? Yeah, absolutely. Again, I, I find it very hilarious, this journey that I've gone on with my girls with being when they were toddlers, and they're 11 and a half months apart. So they were essentially almost twins, right? Mm -hmm. um, of feeling so insecure. I've got to have a curriculum. I've got to have a structure and all of it bombing because I had the wrong motivation. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and now I'm coming full circle and I've got my grandson and I care for him. Most of the time it's four days a week. Um, sometimes it's five days a week, but basically it's four days a week. And um, for the foreseeable future, that's going to be what we do because my daughter is working and, mm -hmm. and that's how things go. And he's 13 months old. So he oh, left on his trip right after turning one and then he was gone and he got back and now he's 13 months old. And I was thinking about this a little bit before he left and thinking about this pattern, this routine, this habit forming kind of thing. Um, and he is, um, he started walking at 10 and a half months. So he's mastered that skill. We're not working on that anymore. He started climbing before he could walk. So, <laughs> you know, we're, we're, we're good on some of those, um, early toddler skills already. Mm -hmm. um, but I, I started to see that, you know, he's here with me all day. It's in the winter. We can't necessarily go outside. I mean, yeah. this last week, it's been minus 20 and minus 30 degrees. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so even to go on outings. So I thought, you know what, I'm going to get a hmm, curriculum <laughs> for my grandson. <laughs> but in between when I was raising my girls and now, and I, because of the roadmap, I've seen that there's a whole bunch of neat things out there that sure. are not overwhelming for the child or the parent, but they provide that framework, like you said. Mm -hmm. And so the one that I have found that I'm going to try to use is called ABC Jesus Loves Me. And it's basically a Bible unit study. Okay. Because obviously, ABC Jesus loves me. The framework is is the Bible. But mm -hmm. um, we're going to try the first week, Monday, um, couple of, coming up in a couple of days. And um, so there's like colors, there's shapes, there's a song every week. So the first week is, we're going to talk about Noah's Ark. So the first, the song for that week is Row, Row, Row Your Boat. You know, things that we would probably do anyway. Yes, yes. But what's kind of cool is reminding myself and I think whether you're a grandparent or a parent, um, we don't always think about those children's songs that we do know in our heads, but you know, you want to sing a song to your kid and it's like, well, I, what are we singing? Right. <laughs> right. Right. So this one is like, so it's kind of like this thematic unit study of everything in this first week seems to kind of be related around Noah's Ark. Nice. And so we'll, we'll do the animals. I've got the little people arc. So we'll pull mm -hmm. that out and the, the, we'll play with the animals and all of that kind of thing. Well, think super of loose. All, yeah. But, and think of all the enrichment you're going to do. So you're going to yeah. pull out the animals, right? What does a cow say? What yes. does a this? What does a this? Right. So you've got all that. So you've got animals, yeah. animal sounds, names. Right. You're going to have colors because that will come up naturally. Right. The right. lovely thing about all those songs like row, row, row <laughs> your boat. You're teaching rhyming and rhythm. Yes. And the, over time, they'll be able to it'll be predictable to him. He'll be yes. able to fill in the blanks. It's yeah. just such a rich thing by basically playing. Exactly. Like yeah. A thoughtful playing. Right. And the only thing the curriculum is doing is giving me those prompts and those yep. reminders. And that's what I'm, I'm going to do different this time. I know I was so 
stuck on following all the stuff in the curriculum. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the stuff that I chose wasn't necessarily developmentally appropriate because it was too rigid, right? Okay. Because um, mm-hmm. I was going to the teacher supply store. I mean, <laughs> yep, yep. Mm-hmm. that's different than a homeschool perspective. And now I've got, <laughs> you know, I've got 22 years of parenting under my belt, as uh-huh. well as now this grandbaby. And, but I know for me, mm-hmm. and not everybody, but for me to have those ideas yeah. is going to really help. And it's going to make me um, less anxious. Not that I'm anxious with him. It's, I think you can agree. Grandparenting is so different than parenting. Oh my goodness. Yes. <laughs> I think right. my theory is not because you spoil them and they go home. That's what people no. joke about. Yeah. My theory is we've raised our kids. They've gone through all sorts of things yeah. and we all survived. And everybody and so, lived. <laughs> yes. And so you see stuff with your grandkids and you're like nine times out of 10, you're like, that's okay. Mm-hmm. Oh, <laughs> and yeah. it's, it's not as stressful, but I feel yeah. like just having that purposeful few things every day to remind me. Um, and right now he's just kind of walking all around, grabbing stuff and putting them up and, you know, take, picking them up and putting them down. I'm like, we need yeah. a little, we need a little bit of purposefulness. Um, yeah. One thing I love about this curriculum and other ones I've seen is a focus on character development oh. and habit training because um, one of my favorite books, which I think all parents should read if you have little kids eight and under is better late than ever, better late than never, not ever, <laughs> but wait, okay, better late than early. That's what it's called. Good grief. Better um, late than early. Okay. Yes. It's by okay. Raymond Moore. Um, okay. And and what it is, he actually wrote it in like the 1970s. So some people discount it and they say, well, it's, it's bunk, right? Oh. What he did was he compiled and put a narrative fashion in one book. He and his wife wrote this together, mm-hmm. a bunch of child development research that had been done in the 50s oh. and 60s mm-hmm. about children from birth to age eight. Okay. And he took, and they, so all these researchers, they didn't know each other. They didn't work with each other. They just were doing their own little research studies, but Raymond Moore and his wife discovered that they, they found the same conclusions. So they said, we need to put the conclusions into one book yeah, <laughs> that parents yeah. can read, right? Yeah. And the better late than early title is because kind of countering that thing that our culture has only gotten worse at since then of yeah. pushing kids too early with these heavy cognitive academic things. Yes. And yes. one of the conclusions he talks about um, based on the research is that what little children really benefit from are habit formation, character development. And if you can ground your birth to fives in mm-hmm. strong character, yep. um, the rest is gravy after that because they've got those habits before they ever hit the age yes. when they should do academics, right? Yes. Yes. So um, this little curriculum thing is heavy on me praying character traits over my grandson nice. and and encouraging him based on those types of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, for it's just reminders for me. That's all I'm using it for. Yeah, yeah. And it, it is <laughs> having been, you know, not parenting for a while. Um, <laughs> you do. I watch my granddaughter who's three yes. and I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, that's right. I do remember that. And yes, there's a there's a very good thing about looking at some of this child development or looking at activity information or curriculums and looking at that. And it gives you some more ideas. And you go, yeah. oh, I forgot about that. That's yes. right. She's got to be able to do this before this. Yes. As far as the stepping stones of development. Yes. You can't leap to the top of the tower. It doesn't work that way. Yes. Yes. And I think that, you know, the better late than early book would help parents who maybe were like me and they didn't have a lot of experience with young children before they became a parent. And I think that's Mm -hmm. more so now even because so many 
young parents now never had childcare experiences when they were growing right. up, right? And yeah. limited siblings, you know, some, mm-hmm. some of us in, in your, my generation have many siblings. I didn't, <laughs> but some do. Um, so I think it's just a really, and, and the thing I want to say about the research is it has never been disproven right. since that book was written. It has been buried because the findings of the research does not match our current agenda of push, 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 and right. pull kids away from their homes for six weeks old and all of that kind of thing. Yep. But there was um, a researcher who kind of tackled some of this in a couple, the last couple of years, and they shared her findings on NPR. Now, they okay. did not reference Better Late Than Early, but I know that book inside and out. Uh-huh. And what they were talking about was exactly the findings in that book. Really? That's yeah. wonderful. Of not pushing and waiting okay. for to see your child's inherent readiness. Because that not that the key, right? You will watch for when a child is ready for something yes. and then you proceed. And yep. that's what all this research in the book was about. So even though it's an older book, mm-hmm. um, and if you buy it in print, you can still find it on Amazon and the like. Um, it's going to be a little pricey if you buy it in print, but it's out there, right? Um, they also have it on Kindle. So okay. you can get a, an ebook as well. I think it's a worthwhile investment, and I really think young parents should read it, um, mm-hmm. especially if they don't have their own parents who can maybe pour into them and remind them that the rushing doesn't have to happen and all of that. Um, and, and I think it helps. It'll help parents to say, oh, yeah, I am looking at this character development. I am looking at where is he physically? He's not right. capable of this physically because he's one and a half, and I'm expecting something that... It's supposed to be for three-year-olds, right? Right. I think that just makes us more secure, and then we can and relax. And there's a there's a whole layering of cognitive development, and it is very stepwise, and it does yeah. intermingle with their physical development. It depends on the areas they're launching forward in development. If they're launching yes. forward in motoric development, language and some of those other things are going to take a back seat, and it yeah. may look like it's actually not progressing or even going backwards, yeah. but it's because so much energy, cognitive yes. and physical energy is going into those new gains. Mm-hmm. And it is simply, there is only so much energy that a child can have, that any of us can have. Right. So while they're in huge phases of development, other phases may will take a back seat and yeah. may even decline a little bit. It's temporary. It's gonna come back. Yeah. Um, I am so glad you said that because parents are so nervous about that, right? They, they look at their friend's child who's doing something that their child's not even doing, or they look Mm -hmm. at their older children and the one child did something that the little child is not doing. Um, and, and, and if I, I'm so glad I'm more secure now, but so my grandson, he is a mover, (laughs) you know, (laughs) he crawled early. He, he climbed early. He walked early Mm -hmm. now. Does he make lots of vocalization? Absolutely. He's forever mm-hmm. grunting and he's gotten his sounds for different things. His latest thing this week was he he loves looking through books, right? Uh-huh. And he used to just sit and look at them and we would just be like, well, all right, fine. Well, now this week he's looking at them. Every time he turns a page, he grunts at us. Eh. Okay. <laughs> like he wants to, us to tell him what it is or like whatever, what? you know? Yeah. Um, yep. He doesn't have, and he's 13 months old, right? Mm-hmm. He does not have any syllables, I would say, are words yet. Okay. And I'm not nervous about that. My daughter's uh, not nervous about that. But some parents would be. Because if you read be. the baby books, it'll say, oh, by 13 months old. But they, if you read them carefully, the books will say, some babies have this. And yeah. some babies can run at 13 months, like my grandson. Yes. 
right? Mm -hmm. Not all babies can. We were just with a friend's baby who's the same age and he Mm -hmm. is beginning to pull himself up on his knees and crawling. That's just where he's at, right? And and that is still completely within the developmental norm range. It's yes. a range for all these things. Yes, yes. So my grandson is busy moving. He doesn't mm-hmm. have time to sit down and figure yep. out syllables yet. No, no. <laughs> but he no. will. Yep. He will. He will. He'll get there. He will. And, you know, if as you are with him and kind of listening, you may find he's using a pattern or two <laughs> intentionally. And that is a functional word. I I tell that to parents all the time who are very terrified. Oh my goodness, he's not speaking. And then you sit down and play and you realize he's going, la, but only that version of la for one thing in particular. Yes. And that's actually a word. That is truly a word. It's being used functionally for a purpose. Right. It's a word. He's going to refine that. And they're like, oh (laughs) oh my goodness, he he can't pronounce things. Oh, no, no, no. He's got to get all that musculature going and all that coordination and all that. So no, just chill out. It's fine. (laughs) fine. I promise he's not going to say for whatever. Yes. When he's an adult. But right now he is. And that's okay. And just simply respond. Oh, the dog. Yeah, yes. the dog's over there and just move on. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And for parents to know and, and just to read up on things, listen to, mm-hmm. to podcasts and, and things that remind them yeah. that it'll all happen. It will. But but if a kid's focusing on one thing developmentally, they're not going to focus on the others. Yes. And just chill out. Um, and yeah. I think a lot of doctors, um, so talking about my friend, I was with the, um, with her son and, mm-hmm. and my grandson, um, she's, this is the third of her three children okay. and she's not, she's a chill mom anyway. <laughs> she's not worried about it. She, um, she's, she's not worried because she's seen different variables in her other two sons. And now this one, um, but she also said her doctor reassured her because they Good. were chatting about it. And the doctor apparently said, nope, he's completely a normal range. And this is just him, you know, and then yep. the doctor said, look at what he's doing here developmentally. And yeah. so that's why this, and there's lots of reasons, you know? Yeah. Um, and I think we, it's important to find doctors who, who know about child development, which sounds yes. like it should just be all of them, but it's not. It's not. It's not. <laughs> and if there's a doctor who is saying, you know, your 13 month old is needs to be speaking in complete sentences and yours <laughs> isn't. And so there's a delay. No. Fire the doctor and get a different doctor. <laughs> yes. Get a different doctor. And, you know, a lot of those kids, when you talk about speech, yeah, you because know, of course that's my, my thing. Yes. Yes. Um, you know, oh my goodness, they really, they're, they're, because like your grandson, he's motorically doing all these things and all this huge amount of growth. Oh, they're not speaking. Just wait, give it time, give it time. Cause you know what? It's going to explode. And we've, I mean, I've watched it with many, many kids watching my granddaughter. She is like your grandson, very motorically advanced, always has been. That's her mode. That's how she moves. That's how she does. And her, her speech and language lagged behind now her Mm. understanding she understood and you knew that the receptive language the understanding of language was all there could follow multi-step commands listen to us interacted with us all those things and she had vocalizations right but just not recognizable words right right yep (laughs) yeah yep she went through a screeching phase you know (laughs) (laughs) most kids do but you know there were all these things where it wasn't you know, as a speech therapist, I'm looking at this going, yeah, that's, that's we're we're falling to the bottom end. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, she was functionally using everything. And I kept 
you know, talking to family as we're looking at this and going, guys, it's going to explode. If she wasn't mm -hmm. understanding and we didn't see her with that high receptive language where we thought, oh, she's not getting things. She's not yeah. you know, pointing to things and all those other things. If we weren't seeing that, maybe I would have been concerned and yeah. looking at things. But I kept saying, and what I say to parents all the time in this scenario is hang in there because the avalanche is coming. <laughs> just, just it, it's going to explode and then you're going to ask if yes. I can make them stop and I will <laughs> tell them no, no. <laughs> and and that is that is what we've seen with my granddaughter is yes she she has gone through this incredible explosion and that's very very typical the motor mm -hmm. skills were where it she took off first it's her yes. natural bent yes. whatever it is you know, maybe she'll be an athlete or something. I don't know. But the <laughs> physical skills are very high on her importance level and her radar. Yes. And, you know, we knew that there weren't those build those building blocks were all there. It yeah. just wasn't coming out. And now yeah. it's just exploding. And that is very, very, very normal. Yeah. So for any parent who's seen, oh my goodness, just breathe. Just yeah. just breathe. Just breathe. Because likely those areas you're concerned about right now are going to explode. They'll yeah. once, once the area they're focused on developing right now yeah. is kind of mastered, right. Um, it tones down the energy level and then other areas just, they catch up. Yes. It, it, well, it, and nobody's that's a, behind. <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing, you know, if, if you're looking at your child who's not speaking or, or not walking and you think mm -hmm. they should, or, or whatever it might be, or, or he's mm -hmm. four and he's still not quite potty trained, whatever it might be, right? Yeah. Um, there's no such thing as behind because right. God has developed in each child's brain a timeline that mm -hmm. the child's brain and God knows. The rest of us don't, <laughs> right? Right. 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 Rather than think about and focus on the, the areas where the child is still lower on development, mm -hmm. um, look at where he or she is soaring. Because yes. that's like you said, where their cognitive and mental and physical energy is going. Mm -hmm. And every kid has that. And, and if we can focus as parents on that and look at our child's strength, I think yes. that also takes the anxiety out. If oh, we yes. can remind ourselves, all these developmental things will happen in whatever order. And yes, my child isn't behind because right now she's focusing on this, mm -hmm. not that, but yeah. it's all going to come. It is. It is. And, you know, when you look at your child, and this is one thing I just, I disliked when I worked in the schools was that we always focused on what they can't do. And that's yeah. not my philosophy. And I right. don't agree with it. Look at your child's strengths. You can utilize those strengths yeah. to shore up other areas, utilize those strengths. Yeah. Don't focus on what you see as the deficit. Cause it's not really a deficit. No, it's just where they are today. Exactly. Exactly. And they won't be the same place tomorrow. <laughs> oh my goodness. No, six months from now, you know, you'll be looking back going, Oh, why was I worried about that? <laughs> right. So, yeah. so I have a question for you as we kind of maybe get near wrapping up. Um, <laughs> well, you didn't know you were going to homeschool until Alex was already in kindergarten or at the right. end of kindergarten. Right. Okay. Right. So maybe this doesn't apply. I don't know. Well, maybe. Um, sometimes I, you know, I get the question, how many years have you been homeschooling? Oh, and I'm like, what do I say? Right. Cause I know that my two-year-old did not need to be doing handwriting practice. Oh yeah. No. <laughs> um, however, and in our state, Wisconsin, it didn't count until the child was six. Right. Mm -hmm. And so right. basically when each of my kids reached six, that's when it was official with the government, but who are they? 
Right. Right. So I kind of like to say I've been homeschooling for 22 years because my older is 22 years old, but it's all about what each child needs at different ages and phases. Mm -hmm. So like if you're, if you're a parent listening to this and let's say you have a a two-year-old and a four-year-old and you're like, am I a homeschooler? Am I not? I don't have to file with my state. I'm not whatever. Mm I think you are if you want to be. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I I have a friend who has a one-year-old and they've decided they want to homeschool and she's looking into it and, and what, you know, to come in the future. Yes. But she's also being very intentional about connecting with other people, forming a supportive community. Yes. And I'm encouraging her to really, you're looking for the goal down the road. But you're mm-hmm. also looking at today and what your child is learning today. Yeah. You know, and and you know, we started pointing things out to our kids when they were infants in our arms. Right. And and labeling things and and just all of that. It's all gonna come into play. And yeah. I guess for us anyway, and I think for you too, homeschooling was a lifestyle. Yeah. Um, you know, in, in our state, in Wisconsin, we have to report how many hours we have. A, we have a minimum hour of direct instruction that we're required to do. But we and, don't have to report it, actually. And we just have to right. do it. Yeah. Yeah. We just have to do it. We don't have to report it. We, we sign a form saying that we will acknowledge that we will do this. And, you know, when you start thinking about your daily life and mm-hmm. the interactions with your child, frankly, 99 <laughs> percent of what you're doing is educating your child. Yep. If you're pulling, oh, my son, when he was a toddler, loved to help me pull stuff out of the dryer and into the laundry basket. Uh-huh. How many times? Oh, grab the blue one. Yes. Or, oh, look, you got a sock. Or, you know, all those things yeah. are enhancing your child's knowledge and, yeah. and their child development. And you're doing it naturally. Yeah. If you haven't seen that modeling and, and for, in our situation, my husband hadn't, mm-hmm. um, it wasn't a situation he was raised with mm-hmm. to where he experienced a lot of young children. And so I was blessed that he watched to follow my lead, but he also was very interested in our children and, you know, we never had the issue with baby talk or anything like that. Cause yeah. it, it's just not a thing. Right. But he also saw it as, yeah, I might be speaking at something that's above their level, but they're garnering things. They're pulling in information yeah. and we're exposing them. And you just want to keep that going yeah. you know, as, as much, get in, get dirty, play, go outside, talk about what you're doing. Yep. Um, yeah. And and so many people, oh, but they just don't understand yet. Yeah, I don't really care. <laughs> they're gonna understand. But if you don't ever talk to them yeah. about these things as they're physically happening, they right. don't necessarily make those connections. And yeah. it's so rich right. to just live life yes. with your kids. Yes. They'll make those connections. Yes. Live life with your kids, take them places, mm-hmm. take them to the, just the backyard. Sometimes it doesn't matter, but talk yeah. to them constantly, right? Constantly, constantly. Yeah. Yep. And that's kind of all it takes. And then help them to develop their character as age appropriate. Mm-hmm. Yep. As age appropriate. Yep. <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and I like, I, I know you have cats at home. <laughs> now it's a good time to teach the little guy touch nice. And we soft do. Yeah. And yes. you can talk cats 
feel smooth and, you know, on and on and on. But you're teaching him respect for another living being as well and their feelings and that they have feelings. So, you know, for us, it was very much a point of realizing how much of what we were doing just by living life together was educating our children. Yeah. It's when you, when you think about it, take time to get off your anxiety, mm-hmm. <laughs> whatever. Um, and just think about it. If you are purposing to be an intentional parent, mm-hmm. you're doing everything you need to do yeah. because that means you're observing, you're aware of what your child needs and you're responding appropriately. And if you're not sure how to respond appropriately, you're going to learn, you're yep. going to, you're going to look something up and you're going to figure mm-hmm. it out. And if you're being intentional, you're doing everything you need to do. You are. You're being thoughtful and caring and loving for your child. Yeah. And they are going to follow that. Mm-hmm. And you're going to give them wings. Yep. And then by the time they reach school age, when you have to think about it formally, you can look back and say, huh, I facilitated their learning to to walk and talk and go to the mm-hmm. bathroom and, you know, all these things. And then we can say, now you can do the rest of it because you already have done all these other things. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and they're such huge things for children. I mean, think about the infant that you held in your arms who, you know, was an infant and didn't have any of those concepts. Yeah. Now they're they're a toddler, a preschooler, and look at what they can do. Yeah. You were there for all of it. Yeah. You helped facilitate all of that. Schooling, right. school formal schooling is just a continuance. Amen. Of that. Yes, absolutely. Well, I think that's a great place to stop (laughs) Uh, just to remember about intentionality and relax, trust, enjoy, enjoy Enjoy. your kids' years (laughs) because it goes, we can both attest, it goes way too fast and you'll be done with it and you'll be having your grandkids before you know it and and you don't believe it now, but it's true. (laughs) No, you don't believe it now. You are tired. You are exhausted. You are trying to do everything you possibly can, right? You're worried about it because you love them and you care. And we're here on the other side saying it'll be okay. You know, enjoy your kids. Enjoy them. On that, we will close it out. Wish you well with the rest of your day whenever you're listening to this. And tune in next time. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in today. We trust that our discussion has provided you with some good insight that you can apply to your own homeschooling journey. If you have any questions with which we might help, do not hesitate to reach out to us via the Homeschool Loft's website at www.homeschoolloft.com or via email at loftcastinfo at gmail.com. That's loftcastinfo, all one word, at gmail.com.